Thank you. Very proud. Very proud. Um, 100 people didn't finish, so I guess I beat them too, as well as the other 18 people who were all over the age of 80. Um, But I had some uh, friends that were on the Fusion mission trip with me uh, that uh, had come down to just, we ran down Quincy Shore Drive, that was like mile two or three. And by mile two or three, I was already pretty close to last place, or at least competing for last place. And um, it was so sad because I thought for sure they'd make fun of me, and I was kind of looking forward to to the laughter and kind of joking around. But they gave me this look of, this is absolutely pathetic, uh, that we can't even make fun of you. It was that bad. Um, So thank you for the encouragement at mile three. Uh, But it uh, had me thinking of my... uh, my first road race many years ago, and I kind of want to share that story. And there's an often used analogy that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians um, that maybe you've heard many sermons on, and um, I'd like to share that with you today because maybe all of us here haven't. But it's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And I believe it's on page 1134 in the Pew Bible if you want to follow along. Paul is drawing to a close of this section, not of the book, but of this section, and won't dig into all that was taking place other than to say as he draws to a close, he gives this analogy um, in these three verses. Will you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. The Gospel of our Lord, the Word of our Lord. You may be seated. I was eight years old when I entered my first race, a road running race. Thinking back on it, I now realize I would not run another road race for close to 30 years. It was just that painful. We lived in Churchville, Virginia at the time, which is a very, uh, very small but beautiful country town in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. A suburb, if you will, of the booming metropolis of Stanton, Virginia. Stanton, Virginia is so large that at the time they had one exit off of Highway 81. And that was due to the fact that there were tens of thousands of people pulling off the interstate so they could drive by the home of the world-famous Statler brothers who lived in Stanton. Maybe it wasn't tens of thousands as much as it was 10 or 20 people a year driving by the house because they were Statler brothers fans, but you get the idea of what Stanton, Virginia was like. The road, race was, the road race was instant and it was for adults and youngsters like myself. In fact, I was the youngest one in the race. I hadn't planned on running, but we quote-unquote went into town that day and my dad saw that the race was being held and asked me and my brother if we wanted to run. So with great excitement, though never having to train, never having trained or run farther from one end of the playground to the other, or actually at Churchville Elementary School, it was one end of the cow field to the other. Either way, I think you get the point. I had no training. I was paired up with a partner, a kid a little older than I was. Um, And he was not a very good friend, but I did know him. The gun sounded, which being in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, it was a good possibility that it was some form of hunting rifle. But the gun sounded and we were off. 
Naturally, my friend and I quickly made our way to the back of the pack. Then suddenly, someone accidentally stepped on the back of my friend's shoe and it fell off. He stopped and went back looking for his shoe and being the good friend that I was, I just kept running. The race started in a parking lot of a supermarket, which was probably had the name Piggly Wiggly or Olson's General Store or something like that. By the time I made my way out of the parking lot up to the road, which was probably paved with dirt, I was fighting for last place. My dad pulled alongside me in his old white Datsun, asking me if I really wanted to do this. I said that I did and asked where I was to go because now every other runner was way out of sight and may had already been celebrating at the finish line. I told my dad that I didn't want to quit. And he drove up on ahead to be in a position to give me directions when I needed them. A little later, the Dotson pulls alongside again and asked if I wanted to quit. I said that I didn't and I just kept running. The road markers were down and traffic was flowing at the cross streets that were once blocked off an hour earlier when the lead pack had run by. My dad told me to run up the hill and make a left. As I was running up the hill, he pulled alongside me in the Datsun again and said, Corey, come on, why don't you just quit? And quietly, with a feeling of failure, I said okay and got in the car. He tried to encourage me that I had done a great job, but I did quit. And though I didn't articulate the feeling at that time, I was regretting that fact. Regretting the fact that I quit. I felt like not only a quitter, but also a failure. I did not finish what I had started. In our text today, the Apostle Paul is drawing from this section of the scriptures to a close by associating the Christian life and our spiritual journey with Christ as one that is much like a race. One that requires strict discipline and self-control. Training our mind and our bodies to have the strength and energy needed for all of life in, as he says, all things in verse 25. It is actually an ingenious metaphor that Paul is using considering the crowd he is speaking to. He understood the context of who he was speaking to. In the previous verse, Paul shares how he becomes all things to all people so that he can bring them to Christ. You see, what took place just outside of Corinth every year was the Isthmian Games, which were second only to the Olympic Games. Paul knew that the people in the community to which he was writing So he uses an example using their own life situations to bring home a powerful spiritual point, and that is that the Christian life requires discipline, control, training, in all things, like a champion runner in the Isthmian Games. Everyone runs at some point in life. At times, all of us are running after something, or running after someone, or running from something, Maybe a good question we can ask ourselves from time to time is, what am I running after? Or what am I running from? Everyone runs, and Paul has given guidance to those who run to God, who run to God for life. He tells us how we are to run. Run in such a way, he says in verse 24. We must give our best in all things as if we are in a race striving to win. Give your very best. When your father pulls up next to you and the white dots and he keeps asking you if you want to quit, just say no and keep running. Paul is well aware aware of the fact, for it happened to his life, that on our spiritual journey with Christ, people will pull up alongside of us trying to convince us to quit the race, 
trying to convince us to give up. Often it is not malicious, but at other times some people are malicious, deliberately trying to discourage you or bring you down. At times it is rough and abrasive conflicts disrupting the race, and at other times it is gradually, over time, and we don't realize that we're gradually giving up. Don't allow people to get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. Don't allow people or circumstances to prevent you from using the gifts God has given you. Don't get in the Datsun. Run in such a way that you don't quit. Finish what you started. Let God finish the work He has started in you. God will give you the strength to run. It's not about you trying harder or trying to be better. Run the race. Depend on Christ and He will give you the strength to run the race set before you. Don't compromise your faith, your belief in Christ, just because it's not always popular or because some pull up alongside you and whisper words of discouragement in your ear. This is one of the reasons Paul writes this message. Run in such a way. Keep your eyes focused on Christ. And do not gradually or over time allow your moral compass or your faith compass to be abandoned and quit the race. Paul talks about knowing what you're running for. Know the prize. Now in this context, Paul is talking about the prize of eternity. It is very easy to lose sight of the prize. Often we lose sight of the eternal prize. People are running after their wrong prize or different things. But in this context, in these verses, he is talking about being with our loving Heavenly Father for all eternity. Run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. Don't become distracted. Keep your eyes on Christ. Running straight to the goal, keeping your eyes on Jesus at all times, keeping focus, run with purpose in every step, knowing why you are here and what you are here for. I am not suggesting that I am 100% certain 100% of the time what running straight and with purpose in every step looks like. There are days I'm not sure what the Lord wants me to do. There are situations I find myself in that I'm not really sure what Jesus would do. But I know we must continue to move forward. Sometimes I feel like my contribution is purposeless, but God says that it is not. And even in those times of doubting and wondering what exactly we are to do or where we are to go, Paul is saying just keep moving toward Christ. Just don't quit. Keep in your eyes in the direction of Christ Jesus. With purpose in every step, you will not waste a step if you continue to follow and move in the direction of Christ. Discipline our mind and our bodies, preparing for this journey that we are on. Don't allow your testimony to be disqualified. I did not receive a trophy that day because I did not finish. I could have done better. But I was disqualified because I quit the race. Paul is telling us to run in a way that we will win. But in winning a race for a prize that will fade is not what Paul is talking about. Winning in the eyes of God comes back to the contradictions, it is the contradictions of being a Christian. Winning in the eyes of Christ is helping others along the way. Winning means letting others finish ahead of you. Winning means letting and hoping and praying that others succeed and helping them succeed, 
even when there has been maybe a disagreement between you or maybe someone who has harmed you, wanting the best for them, whether that be a friend, a family member, or an enemy. It's actually stopping when their shoe falls off and not trying to take off on ahead to get the upper leg because they fail or stumble or because of their brokenness or pain. This is beautifully demonstrated over and over again what the Christian life of running looks like if you were to attend a Special Olympics Games. I have read numerous articles and seen numerous video footage showing kids and adults with mental and physical disabilities who in the midst of a race stop and turn back if another in the race has stumbled or fallen. Remember, it is when we are weak that we are strong. Here is a group of children and adults viewed as weak and as outcasts by many. Yet they demonstrate and live out what it means to live as Christ and what it means and what it looks like to live and run for Christ. The Bible tells us God will use quote-unquote foolish things of this world to shame the wise. These incredible athletes give the best example of what Paul is describing and what Paul is describing in the Christian life. They train very hard. They discipline themselves. They give their very best and run in such a way that says, I'm going to win, but first I must help others finish. They have an understanding that winning is simply finishing strong while leaving no one behind. Finishing strong, leaving no one behind. My little race in Stanton has a few lessons for me, and hopefully for us. I found out later in the day when talking to people that at the race awards ceremony, they called my name to present me with a trophy simply because I was the youngest runner in the race but didn't get the trophy because I did not finish. That is similar to the Christian faith. We must finish strong, not give up, and know that our prize, as Paul says in these verses, in this context, is eternity with Christ Jesus. It has been a difficult week for many. It has been a difficult semester for many. In some of the races, members of this community have been called to run. Many of you have family members and loved ones that are hospitalized. Several here today and in our families are running races that involve a tremendous amount of pain and suffering, physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. And it's to the point where your faith is being tested, and it feels as if it's on the verge of being broken and giving up. And for others, the emotional weight and issues you may struggle with may very well be just as painful as physical pain. As many of you know, last week, the mother of Mixie Lopez went home to be with the Lord. She has finished the race. She has won the prize. That is actually the ultimate healing. The eternal prize which Paul is speaking speaking about that will never fade. She has received the prize. She has passed into eternity to live with Jesus for all eternity. A place where there is no more pain or sorrow and words like cancer do not exist. 
a place where words like orphan, neglect, abuse, homelessness, racism, injustice, these words no longer remembered. It is far greater than any earthly reward you can receive. Just last week, I bought my wife a book called I Choose to See by Mary Beth Chapman. She is the wife of Stephen Curtis Chapman. And you may remember a few years ago, their 18-year-old son, um, while driving his SUV into the family driveway, struck and killed his, I believe, six-year-old little sister. He didn't see her, and she was killed. Tragic story that Edie and I kind of followed when they were on CNN and Good Morning America a few months after, and just really kept them in prayer and can't fathom all that they were going through. But the opening line to the dedication of the book struck me like no other dedication. And um, I learned something in these words that she writes to her son, Will Franklin, one of whom she dedicates the book to, when she says, Will Franklin, you have been entrusted with an incredible pain. I am so sorry. I wish as your mom I could take it away, but I know God has a plan for you to steward this story well and to minister to others through your suffering. I had never heard such profound... You have been entrusted with an incredible pain. Some here today have been called to run the race, and it is a race, a journey, where you too have been entrusted with an incredible pain. And I am sorry. Whatever pain or sorrow or hurt you have experienced, I do not believe that it was God's plan for your life for you to go through that horrible, terrible experience, whatever it may be. I often struggle on why he did not step in sooner to stop some of the pain that many in this room have gone through. But my hope and prayer for you is that you will find healing and wholeness through Christ Jesus. And in this journey, this race you are called to run, you will hear the words of Mary Beth Chapman who understands pain in the journey and these words of encouragement. God has a plan for you to steward your story well, to minister to others through suffering. It is still true. God has plans for you to give you hope in a future. The greatest challenge for me, pastoring came, and I've shared of this uh, beautiful, beautiful woman before. Her name was Sandy, a member of the church uh, in New York who had been ridden, uh, bedridden with multiple sclerosis since the church began in 2000. She still is alive today. And in my eight years of pastoring, she was only able to attend a service on two occasions. And it requires um, medical personnel and an ambulance, um, like an ambulance to get her there and get her into the building. Uh, one day when she was very sick, we thought she was going to pass away. This was several years ago, and we were crying out for God to just take her home and let her finish the race. But she got well enough to go back home, but she had been quarantined in an area of ICU at Mather Hospital in Port Jefferson, New York. 
It was the first time for me that I had to wear a mask, gloves, and a, kind of a suit, protective suit, when visiting someone in the hospital due to the infections that she had contracted. I've never been able to have much, I had never been able to have much of a conversation with Sandy because uh, by the time I first met her around 2000 or 2001, she really couldn't even speak and she could only communicate by blinking her eyes, one for yes and two for no. Yet when I was there that Thursday evening around 5 o'clock, she was very alert and what seemed to me to be desperately trying to say something to me. Her eyes were very big and she kept looking at me wherever I went in the room and kept blinking and I, I could tell she wanted to tell me something. And It was hard for me to hear and I leaned my ear over her mouth which had a mask on it trying so hard to understand what she was saying but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't understand. And I have a confession to make. I went to visit Sandy that week as a pastor because that's what pastors do. They're to bring comfort and be available for family if needed. But to be honest, Sandy ministered more to me that day than I did to her. This beautiful woman, who has been entrusted with an incredible pain, knows the depths and beauty and power of God far more than I could ever hope or imagine. It's the way the Lord often works. The weak often minister and guide the strong in these races of life that we're called to run. Just being with her was an encouragement and a blessing. It's just the way the Lord works sometimes in these races. All I could think about and ask God during those moments and during these weeks is, why are some called to run such a difficult and challenging road? The Bible tells us that God promises never to leave us or forsake us. The Bible tells us that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will be with us. But sometimes we feel like, and people look like, they have been forsaken by God, and so they stop running. Train and discipline your life in a way to win. And remember, winning is finishing strong, not giving up or quitting, even during those days of darkness and days of questioning, those days where you too may be entrusted to an incredible pain. Remember that God walks with us every step of the way, even through the valley of the shadow of death. It is not up to you to gain strength, for he promises to renew your strength. You shall mount up like on eagle's wings. You shall run and not grow weary. You shall walk and not faint. On Friday in chapel, preaching from Psalm 91, I talked about the importance of community. As God seeks to be our refuge and our fortress and our strength and our stronghold, we are supposed to be that for one another. So I feel maybe as we conclude this sermon, this chapel time together, we as a community can come together and support Mixie and her family. In the pew racks in front of you, you will see little cards. I'd encourage you, you are not obligated, don't feel like you have to, to send a note, a prayer, a verse, some word of encouragement that will be delivered to Mixie as friends of hers attend the funeral later this week. So let us never forget that we do run together this race that God has called us to. And so when others stumble along or their shoe falls off, let us not run on ahead. 
but journey with them, leaving no one behind. The Gospel Choir will again sing How Deep the Father's Love while you fill out your prayer card or note of encouragement, and then I will come and give a benediction.